The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. The last four times that we've spoken, we've used for our main text, Psalm 19 and verse 14. And I want to continue there today with a series of messages that we've entitled acceptable words let the words of my mouth and the med- my strength and my purpose to review much but just to refer to the subject matter of the last four messages we first addressed why this is an important subject one of the main reasons is in the verse we just quoted is that we ought to desire that what we say be acceptable in the Lord's sight. Man's not very concerned about whether or not your words are acceptable to the Lord, but we ought to be. Then we talked about what we should say. Then we talked about how we should speak. And then we talked about last time when we should speak. And I trust that you notice like I did that the further we go with this, the more difficult the subjects are. And I think you'll find today that it is even more difficult in terms of disciplining yourself to go by these principles in your life. Now let me just read uh, three of the most important verses that we've looked at and where you can have these on your mind. First of all, in Proverbs chapter 12, or rather uh, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, the first part of that verse says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's probably one of the best concise passages to remember regarding this subject. And then in James chapter 3, here's a New Testament companion verse or portion of Scripture. James chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame, it is an Unruly evil full of deadly poison. And then lastly, 
You remember Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now today what I want to talk to you about is the consequences of what we say. You know, it's one thing to be concerned that our words be acceptable to the Lord, and that's most important, but also what about their effect on other people? Now today I want to talk about the bad consequences when we say the wrong thing in the wrong way and or at the wrong time. And maybe we can talk later on about the good consequences when you follow the Word of God. But let's begin today in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Now, first of all, it's interesting to notice the last part of this verse says the tongue of the wise is health. And that can be said in the contrast to Ephesians 4.29, which refers to corrupt. Communication. It says the tongue of the wise is health. But the first part of that verse says, There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. Notice he begins by saying, There is that speaketh. There's some other places where verses start with those same words. And the meaning there is, here's something that I've just observed in general. Let me give you a, a verse that uses that same wording with a subject that's perhaps easier to visualize. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth to poverty. In other words, here's just a general observation that can be made in the world. That there's this principle out there that when you share or give to others, you have increase. And there's also this general observation that when people are greedy and withhold more than is meat, it tendeth to poverty. Now that's the idea here in Proverbs uh, ver uh, chapter 12 and verse e uh, 18. He says, There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. Now think of that. Death is in the power of the tongue. And he says we can speak in such a way that in terms of those that are talked about or talked to, it can be like the piercings 
of a sword. In other words, it can be very hurtful. Notice how this is described in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8. It's almost the same uh, mental image. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8 says, The words of, of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. In other words, this is something that hurts someone to their very core. Death is in the power of the tongue. Our words can be like swords, like words that go down to the innermost part of the belly. And the first part of Proverbs 18, verse 8, identifies what we want to focus on for the balance of our time. He's talking here about the words of a talebearer. Now that just refers to someone that is carrying around a tail. If you bear something, that means you're carrying it around with you. A tail is something that uh, either is not true or it's unprofitable to tell it. You, you, there's no need for you to tell other people about it. And if you'll look up a modern a dictionary definition of gossip, you'll see that that's the same concept. So if you want to think of a synonym for tail-bearing, just think of gossip. If you look up gossip, one of the meanings is a tattler, a tattletale, one that has a tail that they are carrying with them, and it's not good to tell, it's not profitable, it's hurtful, and yet they're telling it wherever they go. Notice how this is even used as a reason why young widows should not be cared for by the church. Notice this, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. That just means if a woman becomes a widow uh, under age 60, that is, she's, she's uh, too young, healthy, and active to be idle, it says, don't let her be taken into the number. In other words, the church doesn't need to support her fully in a financial way. Verse 11 says, but the young widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first love. And withal, they learn to be idle. Being idle is not a good thing, is it? That's usually when bad things happen. That's usually when young people get in trouble, when they're just hanging out. You know, I never did like that. What are you going to do? We're just going to hang out. That means we don't have anything to do. And we're going to get together with other people that don't have anything to do. And they'll probably find something to do. And it may not be a good thing. 
So he says, Withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. They don't have anything to do. They don't have a husband. They don't have children. And not only idle, but tattlers and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. So notice there that this matter of being a talebearer is of such concern that it's one of the reasons that the church should not fully support young widows because they'll become idle and the tendency is to go from house to house. You know, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and hate thee. You know, we like to have company, but we don't want the same person there every day for several hours. And that's what can happen if you're idle and you spend a lot of time consistently at other people's houses. That could be the result. So look now at Proverbs chapter uh, 20. Proverbs chapter 20, he that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Now what does he mean here by secrets? He's not talking about a surprise birthday party. You know, Brother Tim recently gave Tracy a surprise birthday party, and uh, it wasn't that it was wrong to tell that secret. It just would uh, ruin the surprise. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking here about things that you may know about someone else that other people don't need to know. In other words, it's something, maybe it's, it's a sin they committed. It's something that's happened in their life that would be embarrassing to them if they knew that other people knew about it. But that's what a talebearer, that's what a gossiper does. They specialize in revealing secrets. But he says here, he that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his, with his lips. The word flatter always has as the basic meaning to speak smooth things. Oh, the flatterer will be so nice to you, they'll make you feel good because they want to give, get information from you. And then they're going to take that tale that they've taken from you that when they ask for it, they seem so sincere and so nice and like they wanted to help. And they take that tale and bear it wherever they go. So he says, don't meddle with him that flattereth with his lips. 
because the result can be tail-bearing. Now look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. The idea there being the whisperer, which essentially is the same as a talebearer or a gossip, he separateth people that are best of friends. So before we go to the next passage, which really is important, I want to look at it in light of what we've said so far. So remember that the the words of a tail-bearer are as wounds that go down to the innermost parts of the belly. The words of a tail-bearer revealeth secrets. The tailbearer is going to tell things about you that you don't want told. And furthermore, if they take what you've confided in them and tell it to one of your best friends, it could sever your friendship. Now I want us to see now how difficult of a problem this can create. And you you may have experienced this. You may have been the one that caused this problem, or you may be the one that was the target of this problem, or the one directly affected by it. Look at Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Now, isn't it true that the most common way that people are offended is by what you say. Whether it's what you say, how you say it, when you say it. The most common way, the normal way that people are offended is by what you said to them or by what they heard that you said about them. You know, that, that's, there's few exceptions to that. Certainly they could steal something that belongs to you or do some other uh, sinful action. But as the, the everyday norm, we might say, it's by our words, those piercings of our words, that, that death that's in the power of the tongue, that, that little fire that is, James said, is set on fire of hell. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. Now let's see if we can understand what is meant by this imagery. A strong city means a well-fortified city. Uh, Their common and 
best method of defense in this time was often walled cities. You know, you build, and I, re, I forgot the details, but it'd be interesting for you to look them up. The size wall that Solomon built, both the height and the thickness, was incredible. That was their primary means of defense. And what that meant was you could not penetrate, you could not get in. So what's this talking about? Someone's offended, they cut you off. They won't speak to you. They're like a walled city. They have set up the wall. Isn't it interesting that so many of the the, uh, phrases we use today have their basis in the Bible? Have you ever said or heard someone else say, well, you know, there's just a wall between us. This is probably where that came from. He says a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city and their contentions, that is, uh, what they're uh, upset about, their, their offense, their anger, he says, are like the bars of a castle. You are locked out and they're not going to let you in. Why? They're offended. Now, in my experience, I know there are times that I've been the cause of this in someone else's life. And I must admit, I can think of one time in particular that I was the offended brother that behaved this way. You know which is harder? the one that's offended. You would think it'd be the other way around according to man's thinking, wouldn't you? You would think, oh, the the one that did the wrong, the offender, because he did wrong, he's going to have the hardest time, but it's, it's not that way. And I can prove that by the words of Jesus. It's the one that has been offended that holds on to that offense. He's the one that has the hardest time. The one that has been offended is going to think about it with greater intensity and think about it more often than the one that did the offending. Remember what Jesus said about it? We'll not turn to that. You can look it up. But the man that was forgiven a great debt, and then he went out and took hold of one of those that were in debt to him, and treated him with no mercy whatsoever and and threatened him that if he didn't pay him in full. And that, that was made known to the one that had forgiven him of a great debt and the consequence was that he was delivered to the tormentors till he should pay the uttermost farthing. That's what happens to the offended brother that puts the walls up and locks the gates. He has delivered himself to the tormentors. Have you ever been there? You ever put yourself in that situation? You're not hurting the person that offended you at all. But you're really harming yourself. 
You know, and the closer you are to someone, the, the worse it is. And that's why that the talebearer is described as one that separateth chief friends, best of friends. You know how I resolved the matter when I was the offended brother? I had to forgive those that offended me. I didn't want to because I was done wrong and there was long-term consequences that I still haven't recovered from. I don't want to forgive somebody like that, would you? Satan still tries to bring it up. But you know how I was able to overcome that? By being, by putting forth the effort to be friends with those that offended me. See, they weren't really bothered about it. They, it didn't affect them long term. There was no consequences in their life. I'm sure they had forgotten about it. And I'm thankful today I can be with them and not feel that bitterness. I'm thankful for that. But you know, there's some people that will not let you back in. Brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. But you know, all this could be avoided if we would follow some Bible principles. Now let me say this first of all. That I realize there are people that even though you weren't speaking in a way that was wrong or speaking using corrupt language, there are people that will still become offended over the drop of a hat and put up the wall. I realize you can't control how people react. But you know, the Bible says this, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Here's what that means. That means if there is a conflict between me and this other person, it's not going to be due to anything I did or anything I've neglected to do. I know of a situation right now between family members in another state. I don't want you to think I'm talking about somebody at Zion. Uh, this is someone in another state, and I've talked to them, and one of the family members has done all she can to try to resolve the matter. And the other won't unlock the gates. But see, as much as, as, much as lieth in you, Live peaceably with all men. You can have peace in your own conscience. That other person, they can't put a weight on you that you can't bear. If you have peace with the Lord saying, Lord, I did what you said, but they wouldn't receive it. The Lord can deliver you from the burden of that situation. Matter of fact, you can even get to the point that you want to pray for them. Because you'll see that you're at peace about it and they're just full of bitterness and resentment. Their contentions are like the bars of a castle. 
Now let's look at a few verses that if we'll heed the lessons here, it'll help us to, to avoid having this problem. Now again, I realize, and the Bible even says, that there are those that make a man an offender for a word. If you're, if you're wanting to get offended by someone, you will find something they say that will offend. We're not to make a man an offender for a word. What if Jesus made you an offender for a word and he wouldn't forgive you? See, that's, that's always been the key to this. Amen. When I see someone that's unwilling to forgive, especially if it's a person that goes to church and hears the gospel of their salvation, regularly I think to myself, how in the world do they not make the connection between how Jesus has been toward me and how I'm so unwilling to forgive this person and I'm just a sinner like they are? And yet Jesus has, I want you to think about everything you've done and the things you've done over and over and over and over. And yet you can sit here today, if you've confessed your sins and you have a repentant mindset, you can sit here today and have peace and fellowship with the Lord. Whenever someone is unforgiving, we need to pray for them. Because they have lost view of the most basic tenet of the gospel. Look at Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 3. I mean verse 13. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 13. A talebearer. Revealeth, that means he uncovers secrets. But he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Now I don't want you to think, and we'll show you a verse that addresses this in a minute. This doesn't mean that if someone's living in gross immorality that we cover it up and don't let the church know about it. That's not the idea here. The idea here is in the normal day-to-day -day ways in which others fail, if we love them, he says we will conceal the matter. Here he describes this person as being one of a faithful spirit, a trustworthy, reliable attitude. That's what he's talking about. You know, me and Brother Chris were talking the other night, and I'm not going to talk about him. I'm going to talk about me. <laughs> you know, there was a time when I would drop something or hit my head. I could think about what I say before I said it. I can't do that anymore. I really can't. I am not trying to say something bad. I am not. I don't even think about it. It just happens. Now, if it, you know, if some of you heard me you might be offended by that you can't might say i can't believe a preacher said that and your your tendency in your flesh might be to say 
You won't believe what I heard Brother Buddy say. But I hope you will conceal the matter. Please conceal the matter. Don't let it go any further. And we've joked about this, but I believe this is a legitimate point. Have you ever met an elderly person who was maybe on their deathbed and they were out of their mind? I've heard several stories of this, and they'll use vile language that you never heard them use their whole life. You know what's happened? They've lost the mental capacity to restrain the old man. And so just whatever's going through their mind is coming out. We're the same way if we don't restrain the old man. And sometimes we let that happen, don't we? A talebearer revealeth secrets. You know, this is so hard to overcome, isn't it? On the way to church this morning, me and Tina were talking about a situation, and it wasn't at Zion Church, <laughs> where there, were, there was a family that had quit attending church. Here we are driving from McCool Road to church, and Tina said, well, you know, they're not so-and-so, and this was, this was a legitimate true point, the per this person that goes to that church told me they're not attending anymore. And you know what I said? And thankfully, because I'm preaching on this, I caught myself. The first two words out of my mouth were this. Well, I heard. And when I said I heard, it just hit me. And I said, honey, I can't say that. I'm, I'm preaching against that. Well, I, I ought to be unwilling to say it whether I'm preaching against it or not, shouldn't I? That's what the Bible says. And, you know, I know last week, I, the same thing, whether we were talking about something, and I said, well, I heard, yeah. and I thought about it. And even then, I still wanted to tell it. Isn't that the way you are by nature? That just shows how sinful we are. We want to tell the bad stuff. Oh, it's interesting. It's fun to tell the bad stuff. You know, the pleasure of sin for a season is not just a principle that applies to sexual immorality. It applies to all kinds of sin. Amen. There's pleasure in gossip for a season. He that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Now notice also in Proverbs chapter 16, I mean Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. Hatred stirreth up stripes, but love covereth all sins. Now again, the meaning here is that I'm not looking to get something on you where I can tell other people. Love covereth all sins. And one of the best ways to discipline yourself this way is think about all the stuff you've done that people didn't see. Love covereth all sins. 
And then look at Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. That's essentially the same as chief friends. The word very or verily means true. He that covereth the transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. I had an experience one time years ago where I had a good friend of mine at another church on my mind for several days. And I said, you know, I just keep having them on my mind, so I'm going to call them and see how they're doing. And now this was a good friend. And the first thing he said when he realized it was me, or rather I called him and left a message. And when he called back, he said, I'm returning your call as a courtesy, but I have no desire to talk to you. Woo, that's hard, isn't it? A good friend. But you know what the root problem was? There was, a, there was a certain man out there, and in this case, unfortunately, it was a minister that was getting information and spreading it, and the consequences were that people thought things that weren't so. See, that's what the talebearer does. That's what the gossip does. He separates chief friends, but the Christian's attitude should be, okay, they've done this, they're guilty, but I know they've turned from it. They regret it. I'm not going to go broadcast. And again, there's plenty of scriptures to support that if someone in the church is living in gross or perpetual sin that they are unrepentant of, that is a different matter. You know, I'm not going to deal with my children in, in that extreme way and say, well, I know they're out there doing things they ought not to do, but I'm just going to cover it. You understand the principle here. The idea here is charity toward others. But notice, so we'll have a balanced view of this in uh, Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13. Notice what he says here. If you're the person who are, whose sins are being covered by your friend that loves you, here's what the Bible says to you. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. There's the same word, cover, but here he's talking about when you try to cover up your own sins in the sense that you're unwilling to acknowledge it and resolve any problems that it has caused. It's not up to me to make sure you're exposed, but it is up to you to make sure that you resolve any problems that are a result of what you have said. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, 
but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You know, the number of times that I've had to confess and, fa and forsake my sins far, far outnumbers anything that anybody else has had to cover up because they love me. Isn't it that way with you? <laughs> if you knew all the things I've had to confess and forsake you, it'd be hard for you to overlook my sins. Isn't it that way with you? When people overlook some little fault in you and, you, and you're thinking and you, that you appreciate them loving you that way, you can also think there are so many times that I've, I've, I've sinned and maybe I've attempted to cover my own sin, but when I confess them and forsake them, the Lord has mercy on me. What we say can corrupt, it can kill, it can destroy, it can separate chief friends, very friends. And so let us, as the Bible says, guard what we say and let no corrupt communication proceed. And I'm failing every day on this. Every time I fail, I'm thinking about me preaching on it. I hope every time you fail, you'll think about me preaching on it. So that we can learn to speak that which is good to the use of edifying. And notice the whole purpose of it, to minister grace unto the hearers. We believe in salvation by grace. We believe we're saved by Christ in spite of how we behave. Let's let that be revealed in the way we interact with other people. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.